One of the best findings in the Dead Sea Scrolls was an entire, complete book of Isaiah that happened in 1948. Isaiah was a prophet from the 1670s until the 1750s in there approximately. And so the book of Isaiah, we can say, was spoken, the prophet, prophecy was spoken approximately in 700 years before Christ. 700 years is a long, long time. And in Isaiah chapter 52, verses 13 through 15, and also in chapter 53, verses 1 through 12, you have a portion of Scripture that among the Jewish people is very, very controversial. Matter of fact, if you Google this and, and tried to find the readings of a Jewish synagogue, you will find that they never read in the Jewish synagogues Isaiah 52, 13 through 15, or chapter 53. It's never, ever read. Rabbis forbid their followers to read this portion of Scripture. I've seen videos of Messianic Jews, evangelists on the streets, and they're trying to share Christ with Jewish people. And they always want them to read Isaiah 53. Most don't read it in what I have discovered. They say, no, we're not allowed to. No, it's forbidden. I don't have time for this. And they walk away. But every now and then, you'll, you'll run across one of the videos and, and someone does read it. Now, when they get through reading Isaiah 53, most of the people that I've seen videoed, they, they don't really have a response to it. There, there's not a response much at all to it. Just, you know, well. But every now and then, the response is this. It sounds like Jesus. And then, of course, that opens the door for the Messianic Jew, the, one that, the Jew that believes in Jesus as the Messiah, the servant, he can have conversation with him. Now, when I read Isaiah 52, 13, 15, and Isaiah 53, to me, it does sound like Jesus. I also have the thought, if it's not Jesus, then who is it? Who is the servant that Isaiah is speaking about in 700 B.C. that will come one day? Who is that servant? It's not Barabbas. He was a revolutionary. It wasn't him. It wasn't one of the criminals on the cross. They were revolutionaries. It wasn't them. So who is? There's been many, many revolutionaries in the Jewish life. There's been many people that claim to be more than an average old Joe. And, and so who's this scripture speaking about? Let's read it and see if we can see. Now, we'll begin in verse 13 of chapter 52. Isaiah says, see, my servant will prosper. ESV says that my servant will act wisely. He will be highly exalted. Now, that fits a lot of people. We can say a lot of people who've come along have acted wisely, but Jesus did act wisely. And Jesus was exalted. Now, he was exalted on the cross. He was exalted among at least 120 before he ascended. We know that for sure. We know that 120 followers were deeply committed in a hostile world to Jesus as the servant that Isaiah is speaking about. Verse 14, it says, 
but many were amazed when they saw him. That's true. Many people commented that they'd never heard words spoken quite like him. They were amazed at the miracles. They were amazed at the love they saw. They were amazed at how firm Jesus was to his beliefs. And if he was just a man, they would say he was a tough man. He was a strong man. He was a man that was very much committed to his convictions. Now, it says here in verse 14 that his face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. We know that happened in the Antonio Fortress. We know that happened. We know the Bible spells out for us. We know that he was disfigured. When they used the cat of nine tails, they literally just ripped the skin from his body. And he was unrecognizable. He was beaten so badly and he experienced such hard, you know, that he suffered so much that you wouldn't recognize him. Who else was like that? Who else has been tortured like that? That he was tortured past the place of recognition. Maybe a few, maybe some we would say. But, but for me, when I begin to take all the, put all these things together, it really does, to me, point to Jesus. He's the servant. Look in verse 15. And he will startle many nations. That, that speaks about a sprinkling, a spreading, a domino effect that will take place. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they have not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. So this servant that Isaiah is speaking about is going to sprinkle the truth to all the nations. And there's going to be a concerted effort from this servant, from the mission of this servant, to take this truth to people that have never heard. Isaiah said that 700 years before Christ came. So who is this? Who is the servant? It sounds like Jesus. Who else could it be? It must be Jesus. Personally, I believe Isaiah's servant is Jesus. And I begin to take just those three or four things and put it together, and I say, I agree with the Jewish folks. It does sound like Jesus, doesn't it? And then we go into chapter 53. Remember, forbidden words, not to be read in the synagogue, not to be read by the Jewish people. It, the, the veil must be there. Verse 1, Isaiah this speaks about the servant. Who has believed our message? Question mark. To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? Hmm. Where are the believers, he says. He's speaking to his people. Where are you? Where are the true believers at? Why has the powerful arm of the Lord not opened your eyes to the message of the servant? He says, verse 2, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Now, verses 1 and 2, or verse 2 tells us that he was ordinary. 
Jesus was not born of royalty, not the royalty that you would see clearly. He was not born from the right side of the tracks. He was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth, just a little village. I mean, they, they, weren't, they weren't grooming these people to be the leaders of Israel. They, they didn't have, there was nothing about his appearance. He, he, he wasn't ugly, but he wasn't beautiful. He was just average. There was nothing about his looks that you would go, he wasn't Brad Pitt. I hear Brad Pitt's very pretty. He wasn't Brad Pitt. He, he, he wasn't these people that, you know, he wasn't Taylor Swift, you know? People are just not drawn to anything about his talent or nothing like that. He was just ordinary. There was nothing about him that would attract us to him. It says in verse 3, he was despised and rejected. The servant that Isaiah speaks about is going to come one day and he's going to be despised by most of the people and he's going to be rejected by most of the people. Now, that verse right there tells me that Isaiah and the Scripture is not man's idea. Man didn't have a committee that said, let's go together and let's write a manual that will help people to believe in something beyond themselves. That would be a very, you know, noble project, of course. There is no way in the world that would say, and let's make our Messiah a failure. We wouldn't do that. Man wouldn't do that. If man wrote the Bible, and if it was man's idea, and if the story of redemption was man's idea, he would be a great warrior he would be beautiful. He would be really smart. He would be real charismatic. He, he would be someone that you would be attracted to, and you couldn't wait to follow him, and most people would follow him. But we know that's not true about Jesus. The, the, the Scripture clearly tells us that more people are unbelievers than are going to be believers, and that's always been the case, even today in the world. There are far more unbelievers than believers in our world today. If, if you were to judge Jesus from a worldly sense, he's failure. He's failure. He's failure. That's why it's really important that we not equate worldly success with Jesus because it doesn't equate. It's not, it's not a good term. It's not a good process to go through because, hey, he was rejected the Bible tells us. The servant will be rejected. That sounds like Jesus. Man didn't write the Bible. The man of, of this, this servant must be someone really, really controversial. He's got to really stir things up. He, he's not going to be one that's going to come along and instantaneously going to rally, muster all the worlds together. That's not Jesus. That's not what happened. That's not the servant. The servant's going to be rejected. He was a man of sorrows, wasn't he? Verse 3, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. I don't know what it was like when he was on the cross, but this sounds like it can be no one else but Jesus. But from what we understand about the Scripture 
He took upon himself the sin of the whole world. Unbelievable grief he experienced. He was despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. Only one of the 12 remained at the cross, John. The rest of them fled. You know why? They were scared to death. They were thinking they were next to be hung on that cross. And they ran for their lives. Uh, Isaiah says, 700 years before the cross, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. Sounds like Jesus. Who else could it be? It must be Jesus. I personally believe it is Jesus. He was despised, and we did not care because we were out for ourselves. That's what he says. So the servant is going to come, and he's going to be ordinary. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be despised. There's nothing about his appearance that draws anyone to him. Nowhere in the Scripture that you ever said, man, there was no one quite a looker like him. We know Saul must have been a looker. David must have been a looker. There must be something to that in the Scripture. But there's nowhere, no how, no way does it ever say that people were drawn to Jesus physically. He was just an ordinary, everyday guy. I get a kick out of the, the painting that is in some churches and Sunday school classes of that blonde, blue-eyed Jesus. Cement, symmetry. They say symmetry is pretty, you know, you gotta, your eyes have got to be lined up. One can't be over here, one over here. Got to be lined up. Your nose has got to be in the middle. You know, you can't have all these, you know, things going on to be pretty. Jesus wasn't. I picture Jesus, just a little old guy with a big nose. Just ordinary, not great big. People say, well, you know, he was a perfect man, so he was the perfect man, not in looks. That's what the Scripture tells us. Look in verse 4. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. What did we hear? Who, who else has died and said, forgive them for they don't know what to do? No, they're, they're, they're just mad as a hornet up there. Yet it was for our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. He was placed on the cross because he had done wrong, but that is not true. He was pierced for our rebellion. Pierced. 700 years before Christ came, pierced. What could that be? Could it be the spikes that held him on the cross? Yes. Who else could that be? In all of history, who else could that be? Who else was pierced in their execution? Jesus was. Could it be the spear that went into his side? Absolutely. As I put all these together, not just leaving one by itself, it begins to add up. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Who else could it be? It must be Jesus. Why, I believe it is Jesus. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Now, I'm using NLT today because of the portion of the Scripture, but by his stripes we are healed. 
Now, it means two things, or possibly two things. Many believe it means physical healing. By his stripes we are healed, that you name it, claim it, speak it in existence, and you'll be healed. Is that what that means? Other people look at that scripture and say, wait a minute, there's some holes in that. I mean, I look at this and say, there's some holes in that. I prayed the Lord take cancer from me. I prayed about it. I prayed hard. I, I don't think I'm that vile of a person. I mean, I'm the worst of all, but I've been saved by God's grace. And in his eyes, I'm perfectly whole and I'm right with him. I've been justified by the blood of Christ. I believe that with all my heart. And so if this means that by his stripes we were healed, if that's speaking about physical healing to me and my experience, certainly, with others and myself, I know some of the best people in the world that get a terminal illness. Some of the most faithful followers have died of a terminal illness of some kind. So to me, it cannot mean by his stripes we are healed physically, but absolutely it could mean by his stripes we are healed spiritually. Spiritually healing. And I think that's what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross so we could be completely healed. Who else has been able to do that? Who could do that other than the servant of Isaiah, in which he's speaking about? And you look at that and go, sounds like Jesus. Who else could it be? Bring up someone. Investigate someone. You know, research someone else who could fit all these things. I, I personally can't find it. I don't know who it could be. And he was whipped so we could be healed. Verse 6, all of us like sheep have strayed away. Oh, my, have we ever strayed away. All of us. He's not speaking to believers here. He's speaking to people. In a broad sense, we've all strayed away. We are strayers. People stray away. In Isaiah 5.20, it speaks about those who strayed away. It speaks about how people are in sin, how people are in unbelief. Bitter is sweet. Sweet is bitter. Evil is Evil is, is right, and, and right is evil. Good is bad, and bad is good. We live in a day and age where it is crystal clear about what sin does to people. I watched a few of those TikToks this past week that I was really interested when I heard the news that there was this movement going on that said that they found a letter from Osama bin Laden, and he has this magical, you know, a movement going on that Osama bin Laden was right about America. And, I, and so I got there and I saw two or three of the people giving this insight in that, and that's all I can think about. Right is wrong and wrong is right. Sweet is bitter and bitter is sweet. Good is evil and evil is good. I mean, look, folks, the man was a murderer. He killed 3,000 people on one day. No telling how many others he killed. There's no way in the world we can say he was virtuous or he had a right in some way to do that. That just blows my mind that anyone would ever think that. But it's going on in our world. It's going on in our society. And people really think, as it says in Isaiah 5, 21, that they think their way is always right. Man, is that not going on. God's word, I think, is true. True. 
And it says here, all of us like sheep have gone astray. It is man's nature to go astray. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love to us in this, that while we're sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 7, sounds like Jesus. Who else could it be? It must be Jesus. So then I, I come to place, well, I believe it's Jesus. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. That's true of Jesus. He didn't defend himself. It is what you say. Are you the son of God? It is what you say. Are you the son of God? He didn't say a word to him. He didn't defend himself. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. That's what happened to him. And it was on the Passover where lots of lamb were being led to the slaughter. As a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Verse 8, unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. They were so glad to be rid of Jesus. They were just tickled to death. Unjustly condemned. Never did anything wrong. He was struck down for the rebellion of my people. Verse 9, he had done no wrong. Sounds like Jesus. Who else could it be? Who else could it be that never did anything wrong? Sounds like Jesus. Who else could it be? Must be Jesus. I believe it's Jesus. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Wow. Add that up to it. Take all these others and add to it that when he would be killed, when he would die, his grave would be among criminals. He was surrounded by two criminals. 700 years before Christ came, Isaiah said that he would die among criminals. What's the odds of that? I have no idea. I have no clue. How in the world can you calculate what that possibly could be like? I mean, that does sound like Jesus, doesn't it? Who else could it be? Who can you calculate that had never done anything wrong, but yet died with criminals? Now, they do execute people who have never done anything wrong, right? It happens. But, but you put all these together, you're going, my stars, between two criminals he died. And it says that he was put in a rich man's grave, Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, a Pharisee, had him a grave, had his own tomb. That was commonplace. But he goes and he asks for Jesus' body. He said, let me have his body. I'll take responsibility. I'll put him in my tomb. And Jesus put in Joseph Arimathea's tomb a rich man. Now, work those odds. It sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? That's what happened to Jesus. Who else could it be? I mean, who else is going to die among criminals, and then they're going to have their body put in a rich man's grave? He's going to be rejected. He's going to be despised. He's going to be pierced. Who else could it be? It's got to be Jesus as far as I'm concerned. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Victory is through the cross. 
Victory is through the grave. Victory came. Who else? Who else died this martyr's death and has such a showing? Muhammad doesn't. It's not about his death. There was no claim in any of that. Who else could it be? Isaiah, I think, is saying the shepherd, I mean the, the, the servant, is Christ. Verse 11, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. Man, first of all, all was accomplished through his anguish. He will delight in his anguish. His death on the cross lit up the plan of God for all sinners' salvation. It is good. It is good, the Lord Jesus proclaims. Look what has happened. Believers have come. Believers have come because of my offering. That's, and in God's eyes, that's a very satisfying thing. Who else could it be? If it's not Jesus, it sounds like Jesus, who else could it be? And because of his experience, because of what Jesus did, many are counted righteous because he took their sins. Many, throughout the history of the world, many, just like us, when we believed in Christ and what he's done for us, we're counted as righteous. Verse 12, I will give him the honors of victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was victorious because he died as a soldier might. He was victorious. That's what he said. He was counted among the rebels. Once again, brings it up. They were rebels. They were revolutionaries that died on both sides of him. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Almost kind of like the most minute piece of evidence that the servant will do should blow your mind. That's what I think about this scripture here. Consider it. Consider it. Think about it. This servant will go through all this stuff and he will intercede for rebels. Who's going to do that? Sounds like Jesus. Who else could it be? It must be Jesus. Man, I believe it's Jesus. Who else at that point of death is going to intercede, intercede, pray for, intercede, speak on behalf of. Who else could it be? Man, that one disciple that's in heaven today, that one criminal that's in heaven today, he had a short experience with Christ, didn't he? He just goes, man, quit getting, he says to his partner in crime, this, can't you see this guy did nothing wrong? Can't you see? Shut up over there. My stars. Man, he is showing us up. Be, be quiet. And he just says, man, will you remember me? And, and that's all he knew. He just knew that there were, 
that he just knew that he was wrong and this guy was right. That's all he knew. As we talked about last week, and Jesus said, man, today you will be with me in paradise. Isaiah said, 700 years before Christ came that he would intercede for that criminal. Who else could it be? I believe it's Jesus. It sounds like Jesus. Who else could it be? I believe it's Jesus. I mean, if there's another that meets all these things, we need to investigate that. But there's never been anyone else that you can even come close to claiming one or two or three. But all these things, that's an amazing, amazing thing for me. Yep, it sounds like Jesus. Who else could it be? It must be Jesus. And I believe that Isaiah's servant is Jesus. Lord, guide and lead us as we do the Lord's Supper today and we remember the death and the shed blood of our good Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen.